0: brain might just help you learn something, in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly. But you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell.
1: Welcome, everybody. Okay, we're going to be talking about the need for closure today. Um, You know, the need for closure is so interesting because need is a very, very strong word. You know, there's wants and there's needs. And people, when they have a need, that is something that they cannot do without. It is something that they absolutely must have and for many people, needs are different. You know, some people need validation. Some people just need to spend time with someone, which is, you know, we're, we're referring basically to love languages. Uh, but needs are not logical. They're emotional and they're powerful. And everybody's designed differently. And everybody's need for closure has a lot of differences and variabilities to them. So, you know, closure or the need for closure is uh, used interchangeably. But but the need for for cognitive thought process closure in in psychological terms describes a person's desire for a very firm answer to a question and an aversion towards ambiguity. The term need denotes a motivated tendency to seek out information. And, And the need for closure is also the motivation to find an answer to an ambiguous situation, and life itself is very gray, and it doesn't always offer us the whys. We are not always entitled to the whys, and for many people who have to have closure, they will pursue a why until they eventually land on one. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about how, it does, how closure works with relationships, with jobs, with uh, death, with uh, sudden tragic events, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that as far as closure is concerned. But the level of the need for, for closure is a fairly stable individual characteristic, and, and it can affect what information individuals seek out and how they process. But this need can be affected by situational factors like uh, time constraints. You know, for example, if the presence of a high need for closure, like the induced uh, using time constraints, individuals are more likely to uh, to use simple cognition structures to process that m- m- those answers. So what that means is they're going to jump to conclusions to give themselves closure. You know, but a longer a situation exists, like if you're in a long term job, if you're in a marriage, and by the way, we're going to talk about divorce too. You know, if if something has closed down. That is stopped, and you don't have all the answers to it. The longer that process was, the harder it is to get closure because there are so many things that could point to the reason why it finally happened. There's not simple answers when there's long processes. You know, and the need and avoidance of closure is, is basically um, it, it conceptualized as an end to a continuum ranging in strong strivings for closure. And the resistance for closure. And so, you know, the deal is a a high need for closure might invite a bias in selecting the most relevant information one should uh, attend to for increasing chances of adaptation, initiating and sustaining uh, cognitive manipulations that are required to achieve particular outcomes. And this is how people will do it. They do it within their own thinking. They have to get the outcome not only the outcome that they're looking for, but an outcome they can accept and an outcome that is their personal process to getting to that acceptance. And so making judgments and assessments is what that person will do to make that final outcome and land on why something happened to them that they did not volunteer for it to happen. Also, weighing information during the course of the decision-making is a continuous process. And so a person that needs closure needs to have discussions, whether it's with a friend, with a a therapist, with somebody in a confidential setting. They need that continuous uh, sense of weighing in on their thought process. And so they use someone to basically uh, reflect on that so they can come to a conclusion for themselves. And they also it's been found the need for closure uh, to have it has a, a race and gender bias prejudice. So, you know, if a person needs quick answers, they may fall on their prejudices. They may fall on on gender biases and and basically say, hey, you know, this is a culture thing. I don't understand it. And so they they basically throw their weight into a racial uh, tendency of understanding or a gender-based understanding or a culture-based understanding. And uh, that's how they get their closure. You know – there is an understanding of why a person needs closure. So many times from uh, students to, to to friends and all kinds of people, no one give, can give you closure but yourself. And it's usually said defeatedly while holding back tears. After they've explained that their former partner refuses to acknowledge why the relationship endre- ended, the mantra unsurprisingly often becomes a form of advice. From well-meaning friends or family members or coworkers trying to be sympathetic to someone who is stuck in a bad situation. And that bad situation is usually one that involves one-sided breakup where the person dissolving the relationship has not acted kindly, decently, or even humanely. In the aftermath and in in an attempt to shirk responsibility and guilt, he or she refuses to give their former partner closure, causing the rejected party a tremendous amount of pain and distress. You know, the, the advice that only you can give yourself closure is so prevalent and perhaps because it offers the person who has been broken up with the illusion of control in a situation where realistic knowing it none exists the premise is essentially correct we're all responsible for our own lives however without offering proper guidance on how to find closure it can serve to make things really bad and this is because when someone is rejected and refused honest answers about why the relationship ended they're left depleted of their dignity And the advice is get your own closure infuses a notion that the person who has just been rejected is now responsible for moving past a decision they do not fully understand. And and therefore, it puts them in a quandary. And, you know, they didn't make this decision and and they're insufficiently prepared to navigate the waters because it's a surprise to them. You know, uh, if you look at... uh, phenomenological research, closure is knowing the reason a romantic relationship has terminated and no longer feeling emotionally attacked or pain. Therefore, it allows for the establishment of new healthy relationships. But you see, the problem is, is that when a relationship shuts down one-sidedly, one has left on the sense of apathy, which is the opposite of love, and the other is left with hate and love. And so they are not ap- apathy where they can let go. And so they're, they're in a real quandary how to get to apathy when they're still feeling love. And it's very confusing for people in those situations. And so the devastation that comes from this kind of a breakup is not only caused by, by the partnership that's lost. in the partnership, once again, could be a job. It could be a friend. It could be a, a lover. It could be a, a, a partner. It could be a marriage. Uh, it could be death. But, but also, it, the, the lack of clarity about r- why the relationship dissolved all of a sudden comes forward. And, and why does knowing the reason for a breakup matter so much? Well, a person wants to, number one, understand what did I do. They want to learn from themselves. And they're also surprised because they didn't realize they were doing anything wrong. They thought that that person's behavior was actually consenting, since they were still staying with the person, that it was consenting that it's okay to have that behavior, Uh, whatever that behavior is, that they couldn't tolerate anymore and leave the relationship. You know, inherently, humans understand the world through stories. We create a past, we create a present and a future, and navigate our world through this structure. And, And most healthy, intimate relationships generally have a good sense of where they've been, where they stand, where they're heading. And similarly, within the story structure, we have a good sense of who we are and how we feel within each part of the story, although this can change depending on our current mood when we're reflecting. The problem is, is that when we have a half commitment to a relationship or a half commitment to a job or a half commitment to other people, just not a full commitment, what happens is People want to have full commitment, and they want something that is full. They always think that they're getting less, and so there is a tendency to have a bitterness in the relationship causing a problem. You know, people that um, need closure basically (laughs) keep their stories in a box, and they keep everything divided, and their life doesn't blend together because they can't live honestly amongst all the boxes. Each box has a different person in it, and so people understand that intuitively when they're only getting a certain part of someone. And so the way life is is we live in a line. We live not in boxes, but we want to live honestly and in a line and that calls for a full commitment to relationships where no matter where we go, we're the same person. You know, when 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 we get closure, we can restructure our past, our present and our future in a healthy way through understanding what went wrong and reconfiguring our story accordingly. You know, when we refuse closure, however, attempts to understand what happened, flood our conception of the past, present, and future, and then we obsess on that other person wanting to get an answer from them when they no longer want to participate in the communication. And, And so when we are left to wonder, what did I do? How could someone thought I knew so well how to do this? And how can I trust myself to make future decisions when my past decisions have caused me so much pain? So without the answers of why a breakup occurred, the way we view our health and reality through our past, present, and future story structure can become very warped because we lose our sense of identity when we, get that, when we lose those big commitments or we lose those big relationships. We start, you know, if we lose a job, we may suddenly go, well, who am I? You know, I I, I identified myself with my job and that leaves person out in the wilderness. You know, how, how to give someone closure, you know, breaking up with someone, particularly when you believe your partner will not share the same sentiment is not easy. It's difficult to take responsibility for your true feelings and give honest reasons for the breakup. But knowing that you're hurting another person who likely cares very much about you, not only does giving closure mean you have to take responsibility for your actions in the relationship, but you and potentially feel guilty for ending a relationship But it also means you may discover aspects of yourself as expressed by your former partner that you may have otherwise chosen to ignore. So, you know, you may if you're thinking of ending a relationship, you got to do the hard thing. And that is offer your partner a sense of closure and take responsibility for what you're responsible for and let them take responsibility for what they're responsible for, even if they won't. You know, it's normal and it's non-abusive to give true reasons as to why the relationship is ending in the most kind, fair, and honest thing and the most fair, kind, and honest process that you can give them. And after a breakup, you want to allow your partner some time to grieve the relationship while offering to answer any questions they may have during the grieving process. And that, therefore, you create and communicate your boundaries, And plan to meet in a few weeks, a time after any outstanding questions, as a final goodbye. And this should be an opportunity to speak honestly and openly with each other and end the relationship in peace. Unfortunately, some people... Are, lack the desire to have conflict and they don't want conflict and so they'd rather just run and that's called immaturity and there's a lot of folks out there that just run from relationships where they end and nobody understands how they ended, why they ended or what was the reasons. And, and you also, if you need to give yourself closure, if your partner refuses to give you closure after you've repeatedly asked for it, ask yourself whether the type of person you imagined him or her to be would treat you with such indignity. And whether the future you might have imagined together included is, is included in that characteristic. You know, chances are your answer is no. Therefore you can begin to reconcile the fact that perhaps you imagined your partner to be someone they are not. And forgive yourself for trusting someone who has hurt you because you're not forgiving them for them. You're forgiving them for you. You know, you may find peace in confronting your ex partner's uh, actions by writing them a letter without expecting a response, which you may or may not choose to send. You know, a specific type of writing research shows uh, that it can be con- particularly effective in in uh, lessening post delusional distress. You know, I- I- examining the relationship through a, a redemptive lens, wherein focuses on the positive outcomes that arise from the breakup or a negative event, writing about the relationship in this way over the closure of four days has been shown to reduce the emotional suffering that comes from a relationship ending. And while friends and family might recommend getting closure through finding uh, meaning from the breakup, surprisingly, research shows that in events as marital separation, actively searching for meaning and writing about it is not only uh, effective, but can actually um, reduce the emotional stress a person is going through. So instead, remind yourself of something. Sometimes things don't work out and there's nothing you or your partner could have done. You know, some people are just not good in relationships. They may be good part-time in relationships, but they may not be compatible. Some people are very good together and do very well together, but for some reason, not everything is there to make that relationship go to the level that maybe one or the other partner wants it to go. You know, lastly, you know, determine a goal that is challenging yet reachable and and set forth on this. In this way, not only will your story change for the better, but you'll build a new one. And that goal is for you, not for the relationship, but the goal is for you. You know, when you're looking for a closure from the past, of, you know, You know, trying to get a a piece of your life that did not end well, a relationship, a job, a stage of life, or a way of thinking may be difficult and even painful for a lot of people. But something that you once counted on as very important to your life is over and done. And closure means finality, letting go. Stop letting your life be defined by a traumatic event. You are not the traumatic event. And the more you focus on something that comes out in a way that you don't like it, the more you focus that energy on that, the more that event becomes you. And that's not good because that's going to develop a very low self-esteem. You have to move on from an event and say, it was an event and that's over. And you move from it. And and you allow the event to be what it is. You know, uh, closure means finality and letting go of what once was. Finding closure basically implies a complete acceptance of what has happened and honoring of the transition away from what's finished to something new. In other words, closure describes the ability to go beyond imposed limitations in order to find different possibilities. And, And, you know, when you look at a relationship, when you look at a friendship, when you look at something that you've lost, you may be also looking for someone else that can bring that, and that's called a rebound. And so you don't want to turn a new relationship or a rebound relationship into a way to get closure. Ah, uh, simply because a person may have one or two ingredients that you loved about the person that you were with or the job that you had. You know, you want to fully uh, experiment on what you really want and need and what makes you happy. And you may find that as you're experimenting, your needs are a lot different than you thought they were. And the person that you were with really wasn't a good fit. And subconsciously, you somehow understood that because you did not fully complete to their needs and fully drop into what they had in their life. And that may include a job. And once again, we're going to talk about closure from the past. We're going to talk about how to take responsibility for yourself, how to gather your strengths, and how to, once again, we're going to look at relationships, but we're also going to look at work and divorce. Thanks for listening. Come back.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. Or visit drgbmft.com today. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the need
1: for closure. And uh, right now we're going to talk about closure from the past, and we're going to talk about sudden death. And then we're going to move into divorce and relationships here. So, uh, you know, how do we do it? What are the essential ways to find closure from the past? Number one is you want to take full responsibility for yourself. And it's ultimately up to you to take the necessary actions to help move you forward, have conversations with yourself, both asking and answering your own questions in a form of a self-dialogue. You know, what or whom are you holding on to and why? How can I reach apathy in this scenario rather than love and hate, you know, d- d- or grief or guilt or shame? Because not all in uh, relationships end well. When someone has an affair and then someone decides a divorce, wow. That can create a big, big problem and a lack of closure because you really don't understand why they did that to you. Even though they didn't do it to you, they did it to themselves. And so it feels like they do it to you, but they do it because they got a problem. You know, does, does holding on truly make you happy? Or are you hanging on to that past situation the way it was or the way you wished it had been instead of how it actually turned out? You know, are you using this holding on as an excuse to stay stuck and unresolved? In other words, is dwelling on the past taking you away from moving towards your future? And if if it is... That means you need to resolve. You need to resolve and move on. And you may not have all the answers. You may know not, may not know why someone raped you, why someone molested you when you were a child. You may not understand why your parents never attached fully to you. But if you detach from them as the rapist or the molester or the uncle or the mother or the father or the sister, brother, cousin, whatever, if you stop looking at them at the label and you start looking at the person – You're going to have a much better avenue to get to closure because you're no longer looking at them as a spouse. You're looking at them as a person who is flawed because we're all flawed. You know, if you're willing to let go, you know, what does that mean, what really mean? Uh, What will you have to do to let go and why is it so difficult for you to let go? Are you afraid of not knowing what the outcome will be or ultimately what do you believe will happen if you let go, you know, being as honest as you can uh, and be willing uh, to uh, let that pay off in the long run, the pain, the hurt, the anger, the disappointment will diminish once you've cleared the way for a better, more realistic understanding of the situation. The next thing is you want to allow yourself to grieve the loss. Take plenty of time to do this. You know, there's a really cool cartoon. It's on the Internet. It's on uh, YouTube. It's it's called uh, the... the G- giraffe uh, uh, drowning and uh, oh I can't remember it's it's, it's, it's it, it, basically what happens is this giraffe gets stuck in the, in the mud and its it turns out to be that kind of mud that pulls them down into the earth and anyway giraffe, uh, it's giraffe and quicksand that's what it's called and so that that is a really cool cartoon if you ever look that up among grieving because it's about a three minute summary of what grieving is really about. You know, there is no set amount of time, no prescribed way. It's totally up to each person to find that grieving themselves. Don't let anyone tell you. Just get over it. You know, a first-time griever where somebody's lost a parent or a loved one or someone they're very close to, that first grieving process is powerful. It will rip the soul out of your body. But the deal is, is that that opportunity, that chance to grieve, you should embellish that because that chance to grieve will allow you to process grieving as life moves on and you lose loved ones, you lose friends, you lose relationships. Um, You may even lose children, God forbid. But the deal is, is that it helps you process in that grieving process and understanding that you have to let it step in. Where if you're driving down the street, if if you're doing something and it just takes over, stop and let it do its thing because it will run its process. If you start giving it energy and try to fight it, What it does is it empowers the grieving and it makes it go on even longer because you never get closure from the grieving because you keep trying to control the outcome. You know, prolonged or uh, incomplete grief may contribute to making poor choices. Also, the ability to trust, the ability to be honest, to be yourself is essential for a new, healthier relationship or situation to present to you. You know, unfinished business must be completed and resolved before you move on. And truly, that resides only with you. You also want to gather your strengths. You know, focus on the positives. Make a list of your talents, of your gifts, of your assets. Surround yourself with people who know you well, encourage and support you. You know, shift the emphasis to what you need, what makes you happy, and don't worry about pleasing other people. Assess where you can make positive change in your life and and give the gift to yourself, which is time, which is energy. You now may become the most important person in your life. God forbid, because givers have such a hard time focusing on themselves. They just want to please everybody, but they, they eventually don't understand that as they do all that giving, they never give back to themselves, and you don't have anything to give unless you give to yourself. That empowers you to give more and to feel like your life is more substantial. You know, you also want to define and affirm what you're able to do uh, something about now. Make a plan for the immediate future. Determine what's most important for you for moving forward. And that may be an illogical thing, like a vacation to some exotic place that is very strange or to go- do something that you've never done before. You know, if, if necessary, you want to reorder your priorities to allow you to explore different possibilities and opportunities that may present themselves to you. Try some some of these for size. It doesn't matter if, if they don't work out or... Just, you, just that you tried, you know, the important thing is that you take action in order to make things happen. And if you can't find a path, make a path. And then once again, it may be completely out of your character. It may be completely illogical and it's irrelevant. Throw yourself into the circumstance and allow yourself to process a new form of living. You know, you also want to create a ritual. Believe it or not, performing a ritual is a powerful tool to help uh, gain closure beyond thinking and talking thinking and talking some more a ritual is driven by intention and action you know a, a symbolic enna- uh, enactment allows you to utilize your creativity your in- intuition in order to bypass intellectual logical part of your brain for example when a relationship's over what you uh, what do you do with all the meaningful items and objects such as letters pictures that were part of the relationship A fire ceremony is a way of consuming the past, but any number of rituals that you personally create can provide symbolic finality and closure. Put things in a box and put them away. If you cannot detach yourself from them, put them away to be somewhere stored away where you don't have to be around them. You know, finding closure allows you to move into your future and it makes you become unencumbered and it makes you be whole and optimistic. And hopefully, if you find that when all is said and done, you will have learned something valuable from all the significant events and people in your life, even if they didn't work out the way you thought they would. All right. Now, let's look at sudden death. You know, I faced a situation where my mom and my stepfather died in a plane crash in Albuquerque in 2000, Christmas Eve. I found out Christmas morning and uh, woke up to it on the CNN, on the news. And the deal is, is that when you look at death, you should not ever look at the last event of a person's life and just focus on that. What you want to remember is all the memories you had with that person and all that things that that person wanted you to do for yourself that you never did. And if you start to move their thoughts, their healthy thoughts for you into your life, what may happen is that person's life will continue with you, that you do things for them that become you. For instance, you may go like my mom traveled tons and my stepdad, they traveled all the time because they had their own airplane. So the deal was is that I started to go to places that they went, that they talked about, that they took pictures. And these were places that I wanted to go to, but I experienced it through them. And and then my mom, she wanted me to be a doctor. So I I didn't need to become a doctor to do therapy, but the deal was that's what she wanted. So I took the money from my mom and I went out and decided to become a doctor in psychology. And, And that has opened so many doors and doctor will never leave my life until the end of my life it's it's education is the one thing that will never ever betray you and never ever leave you the more wisdom you have the better off your life will be so she walks with me every day of my life though she's not here I always always remember her and it's always a productive thing because she's offered me so much through her eyes of what she envisioned for me because she always wanted me to be doctor you know um especially if your loved one has met with a violent death you find your sadness and rage at the senseless injustice too great for your spirit to contain and that sudden death is a horrible thing because it is something you have never coped with before or maybe if you have it's just extremely difficult because it's a no control situation it's as if sudden death is a as if someone you love has become an object. You you feel overwhelmingly guilty at not having been able to protect your loved one Uh, however unrealistic those thoughts might be, and you feel extremely vulnerable and powerless, and the depth and the chaos of your feelings may even convince you that you are going crazy. So to work your way through, your experience of grief after an unexpected death can be so terribly agonizing that you feel powerless to stop its flow. Yet though it may not seem possible in the moment, you can work through your grief Moving beyond the trauma and the loss of your loved one while still preserving the bond between you. And that key is to focus on their life, not their death. None of us wants to be remembered for how we die. We, it's all ugly. We want to remember how we lived. How we lived, not how a person dies. That's why a funeral is a ceremony of a person's life. It's a remembrance of that person's life. You know, don't be afraid of your feelings. Losing a loved one often evokes emotions that the survivor has never felt before, especially because of the circumstances of the death you are mourning, the feelings of grief and some of the most intense you will even ever, ever encounter. They they are not only feelings you're ordinarily experience in everyday life, and as you feel intense emotional sadness, anger, uh, and possibly even revenge or fear or loss of control, you may think your reactions are abnormal. While your emotions may be very strong and enduring, they are nonetheless a normal part of acute grief associated with unanticipated death. You know, there's a way to bring closure to unfinished business. Follow... The unexpected loss of of every loved one that we have following that, you're going to have to need closure at some point. So, you may have to bring closure to that relationship with that person. Thoughts and feelings you, you never fully shared with the deceased will fill you with a sense of incompleteness. Now, if this sense of incompleteness continues, you need to address your unfulfilled relationship. In order, you know, there's things that you may have wanted to do with that person that you never did. We'll do it for them do it as if you're with them and remember them you know be patient with yourself when something hurts so deeply it's it's natural to seek relief you want to escape from the continuing endurance of the test that the struggle with with grief uh, imposes yet despite your best efforts the slow and agonizing process of grief may seem to continue unabated but you bec- and you become desperate and you become frustrated with the unrelenting sameness and the hurt. But the deal is, is y- you have to let it walk with you. You have to let it come in when it comes in. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. And just say, hey, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sad. So feel sad. I'm feeling uh, frustrated. Feel frustrated. And let it pass. The more you focus on how you feel and try to justify how you feel, the longer the grief will take in that situation. So if grief introduces itself, just embrace it. I'm sad. Uh, I'm, I'm lost. Be lost for a few minutes because emotions can only last about three minutes unless you keep giving them reasons to be there. And, and so they will pass. So just accept them. Okay, it's there. Yep, I'm feeling sad. Yeah, sad. Right. Okay. If you stop emoting, what will happen is the emotion leaves you. That is the key to grieving. You want, you want to seek new routines. Memories of the one you have lost will be with you throughout your life. Accept that. The dates, the places, the bits from the past that remind you of your loved one will continue to have power and evoke your grief. But once again, as it introduces itself, let it pass. You know, as painful as these connections may be now, they will slowly merge into a blend of pleasurable remembrances and poignant reminders of that person. And over time, the reminders will gradually decrease through the ones that remain still in your life. And and uh, that pain will eventually dull itself into a sense of acceptance. And that doesn't mean you don't remember the person That remembers that that allows you to have all those emotions you had for that person, but not be sitting in the moment of their death all the time. You know, on the most difficult days, you want to try to establish new routines, uh, new routines that are good for you. Go for a run, do some exercise, clean up the house, do something constructive with all that energy. Don't just let it sit there while you uh, 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 emote over what the person that you've lost. Do something with that energy. That is huge. You know, you also want to let yourself feel good again. You may have trouble imagining that you could ever feel joy again and it may seem wrong to laugh or to have fun or to enjoy life when someone you love has died. Some people even feel better, feel that they must suffer in order to prove how much they cared for how long that person's, uh, for that person being gone. But happiness is never a betrayal of love because that's exactly what they wanted for you. They want you to be happy. They wanted you to be happy and they and you have a right to be happy even if it's on the day they died. There are happy moments in life. You know, remind yourself of reasons for living. You have a future worth enduring. For you are allowed to feel renewed sense of purpose and pleasure in life. Because you feel so diminished by death of the one you love. You may think you have nothing to offer for people around you, yet your experience is immeasurable because how you grieve and get through it is how you're going to teach them how to do it in their life. You're a role model. You carry it forward. You know, uh, it's incredible how much people can learn by watching you go through a process that is very difficult. Use that process as a way to help other people. You you also, you know, don't be afraid uh, uh, of, of, of creating a new journey for your life that may be very different than what it was with the person that you love that you've lost. Because now you have a new sense of boundaries because that person is no longer influencing you. And you may find that you are a different person now that that person isn't in your life. And that doesn't mean the relationship was a bad thing, but it may mean that you have new opportunities. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go back to relationships and we're going to talk about divorce and we're talk about being fired. Come back.
0: us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment do you like what you're hearing on the show today dr gary bell wants to help you no matter where you are he's fast efficient effective and has a no bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions if you're ready to change right now drop everything and call or text dr bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Or you can just click on email host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's absurd psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, you know, um, I'm going to go back just a little bit. We're talking about closure and the need for closure, and, you know,. Suicide is something that a lot of people have difficult time uh, getting through because they don't understand it. And the only way I I can help you conceptualize how suicide comes about is a very simple thing. If you ever think of a moment in your life when you had a migraine or when you were cut or broke a bone and and it hurt so bad that all you could focus on is that scar, that thing that's broken – that thing that hurts so bad, and your energy is totally into that pain because you're trying to prevent it. And that pain, eventually, you get to the point where... I can't even be myself because I'm in so much pain. I don't know what to do. I've, I've lost myself to this migraine or I've lost myself to this broken back or this broken bone or something horrible that's happened. That pain becomes so intense that all you want to do is get rid of it. That is the state of mind that a person who is suicidal is in. They have a pain, but it's an intangible pain. It's an emotional pain, and they don't know quite how to get rid of it. Um, That's oftentimes why you look for signs of somebody that's suicidal. They start giving things away. They start becoming very happy. That's because they're no longer going to be in pain, and they found a solution for that. So to understand suicide, that is something that you have to begin to understand. They are in so much pain, they don't know how to get out of it. And so the deal is, is trying to identify that suicidal person and if you can't you have to realize that they are making a choice for themselves and it's not about you it's only about them and it's an illogical choice and it's it's a, it's it maybe cowardly or whatever but you know you have to understand that they they don't know how to solve it and they're not in an emotional state where they're constructive enough to get it solved and so they need help but not all of them get help Some of them just do it, and you cannot control that. But once again, you don't want to identify their life with suicide, the person that committed suicide. You want to identify their life with the body of their life. All right. Now let's talk about being fired. You know, companies let go of employees for a whole lot of reasons, for performance, for reorganization, breach of uh, company policies, because they feel like it. In most cases, an employer can terminate your employment at any time. Uh, The deal is, is that companies are generally not loyal. They're not loyal anymore. It's not that you're going to work in the factories for 30 years and retire. Uh, Most of these employers do not want to pay the benefits. They don't want to pay your health insurance, and they don't want to have to deal with you after you're gone because it creates a financial burden on the company. So they oftentimes look at where they can contract, where they can bring specialists in during certain periods of times to help them grow and evolve, and then they lose that person. You know, you really... You know, some lessons that you need to learn to take away from your separation that will serve you well throughout the rest of your career is number one is you want to find the right fit. This is your chance to interview for a future manager or employer with more discerning questions. Use what you've learned from your last experience to screen for qualities and characteristics you know you'll work well with. So you want to be on the lookout for red flags or subtle clues based on answers and behaviors and rumors on the street. The next thing is you don't want to make the same mistake. Learn from the valuable lesson. If you've been fired, you know, what is it is about your your last job that may not have made it a good fit? Or what could you do differently when you're faced with a difficult work situation the next time around? You know, Winston Churchill said all men make mistakes, but only wise men learn from their mistakes. You know, keep your eyes open. Losing a job should also teach you to keep your eyes open to what's going on inside the company or the place you're working. Are there signs of declining business? Has has a key, a key client left? Or has there been a change in the leadership or a merger or a buyout? All of these things can generally mean change is coming. And when armed with this information, you can begin exploring new opportunities because you know that if your company has bought another company, they're going to have to restructure to bring that other business in. In. There may be duplicate management, there may be duplicate employees, and now they've got to bring those folks into the fold and that may move you out of the fold. It may just be an evolutionary process that you didn't fit in in their eyes. You know, uh, always be open to new opportunities. If your boss asked you to take an additional project or more work, how did you respond? This may have been your boss's way of foreshadowing the need for you to change. While it may seem unfair for a company to ask you to do more, you can also consider if it is a skill building exercise that will make you more marketable. You know, you always want to be ready for something new. If you're network internally and externally, you increase the number of people who know you and this keeps you in people's minds and helps position you for unposted opportunities. You also want to try harder but there are no guarantees. Even the hardest working employee is not protected from a layoff. But employees who exceed performance expectations and have good working relationships with managers generally fare better during times of change. It's never too late to try to patch your strained relationship with colleagues or your manager. Take the first step and approach them with the intention of fixing what you can. You can you've got nothing to lose when you do that. You also want to stay positive. Never talk trash about your former employer. Not to anyone. Negativity breeds negativity. If they, if an, another employer or another interviewer finds that you're trashing the past company that you worked for, they're sure not going to want you because they know the same thing is going to happen to them if they lost you as an employee. You know, take the high road. Try not to cast blame on anyone. Accept responsibility th- for the things within your control and focus on the valuable lessons you learned from the situation. The next thing about being fired is you want to move on and don't fight it. You don't want your old job back. It wouldn't be the same. Whether changes in the organization was your, that it was facing that led to your separation probably affected the culture or how things get done. And if you were terminated and think you want to fight it, Think twice would anyone or everyone welcome you back uh, with open arms it's likely that your manager or colleagues would treat you differently if you uh, terminated which make you feel uh, like you're working on, walking on eggshells you know if another employer finds out which it's not hard to find out that you're suing a previous employer they're not gonna want to hire you so if you're gonna if you're really gonna go after a company the best thing you could possibly do is is go for the big, big bucks so you never have to work again. And if it's a situation where it's not going to be big, big bucks and you're just getting vengeance, you need to pull the plug because your reputation is more important than that little dollar amount that you're going to get in court. You know, uh, and you also want to know what you'll say. You know, the job application will ask you the reason for leaving each job. Keep your answer short, void of emotion or negativity, laid off. Fired are very popular terms, but both can have negative connotation. Instead, the better choice is reduction in workforce. If you you know you you might be uh, able to say the position was eliminated. You and you can and should expect the answer why you left your last job. Be ready to answer that if you're going to interview. During a phone screen or an interview, you want to keep your answer short and to the point. You don't need to go into a lot of detail or defend your situation. You may also be able to spin your answer to include why being let go is a positive and perhaps it gave you the opportunity to seek work that is better aligned to your skills currently. And and there's one other thing you might want to do. There is a silver lining to losing your job. You want to positively manage the situation 100% in your court. That is what you can control after being fired. Now, if you've been divorced and you need closure, recognize that there's no timetable for moving on. Uh, There's no right time for closure. If you try to rush the process, you may end up shortchanging yourself. So, you know, healing happens in a whole lot of layers, which means there's no deadline by which you should have healed. And, and don't hold yourself accountable for that if you're still processing. Some people process on different time limits. You also want to give yourself permission to feel sad. And if that is, may just be the sad loss of half of your 401k and a portion of your salary, you know, the deal is you have to say this divorce was worth it. I'm glad to pay that because I no longer have to deal with that in my life you know it 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 may be a big expense but it may be a worth it expense for you to move on from it you know you also want to forgive your ex and i know that sounds horrible but the more you quickly forgive them for yourself you're forgiving for yourself that you understand that there probably was not bad intentions. The divorce was probably not about hurting you, but it's more about leaving the situation for each other or for one or the other. That means the intention is not to hurt, but the intention is to move on. You know, I don't think that most people just want a divorce to hurt someone. Some people file for a divorce just to get their partner to wake up. And uh, others, you know, file for divorce for other reasons, for financial reasons, because they feel like they'll they'll be more financially well off. They're sick of uh, not having their full feelings for their partner. And they never some people just never invest in the effort to get it back together. They're too lazy or they're too selfish, you know, except that you may never get an apology from your ex you know, it's okay. It's okay if they don't apologize because they may be too stupid or too self-absorbed to understand what the hell they did in the relationship. You know, And, you know, if you have children, envision your future relationship with them. You know, if you have kids, tell yourself you're picking up the pieces and coming out stronger post-split to be a better parent to them. To start, ask yourself a simple question. When my kids look at me, do they see someone who can't put their bitterness behind them or someone who's standing strong in the, on their own? You want them to know you're standing strong on your own and hopefully you're spending more time in their life. You know, if you can't let go, you're, you're compromising your well-being and you're damaging your children and you need to understand that. You also want to grieve the end of your marriage. You know, that means you want to put things away. You may not want to throw them away, but you also don't want to surround yourself with your previous life with your partner. You know, you want you want to ditch the marriage highlight reel where you keep going over all the great moments you had in your life. This is not the time to do that. And it's also you don't let obsessive thoughts about the divorce clutter your mind. Divorces are ugly. Get an attorney so you don't have to deal with it. You know, number one is let the attorney manage the process, let them work for you. And if you don't like your attorney, fire them and get another. And I know that sounds expensive, but in the end, it's probably well worth it because it is about how you're financially going to be able to move on after the marriage. And you also want to write your own happy ending. And that's a very, very important thing to do. Now, if you're trying to get closure when we're going to go back to relationships, you also you want to understand that if you're getting closure from a relationship, You want to remove all physical matters of the relationship from your space. Get over your relationship. You want to send, you want to sense a sense of closure. Put it away, put it in storage. You know, it's essential that you give yourself the physical and emotional distance to move on. And the best thing is give it to someone else. If there's physical things in that relationship that may help someone else in their life, so that moves on through their life, give it to them. But if it's just stuff like pictures and crap that you remember, that, that that is not pertinent to your future, move it away. Get rid of it and 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 start integrating, make new choices and integrate a new life. You know, you also, if if you lived with your ex, you want to move, to another space. If you want closure and you still don't have it because you still have feelings for them, that you know you want to get out of that shared space that you once had. And I know many people can't do that. But if you can't do that, then restructure, redesign, or do something new with that space in which that other person occupied with you. You also want to cut off contact with your ex. That is very important. You know, if you're still in contact with your ex, you may want to take a break so you can get some emotional distance from the breakup. Very important to allow yourself to have that. You want to set boundaries with your ex if you have to be around each other. And that means this is how we are interact. It's going to be business only. A divorce is a business deal, by the way. A breakup can be a business deal. If you integrated your life with each other, make it a business deal and stop making it an emotional breakup. You know, so you also, once again, you want to write a goodbye letter to them, but you may not deliver it, but you sure want to write it because that will help you process. And um, you want to express your emotions through a creative act. If, if you are so emotional, do something emotional, which is a creative act. So so distract yourself from your feelings and let yourself Those feelings come through a different process, which can be a creative process. It can be an athletic process, whatever it may be, but it's something that will help. And you don't want to stop taking care of yourself. That is the most important thing. And you want to talk to as many people about your emotions that you feel safe with. And don't be afraid to speak to a therapist or a counselor. And you always want to work on forgiving your ex. You want to set new personal goals and build a brand new social relationship. You want to explore new areas alone or with friends. And you may want to go on a solo vacation so you can sit with yourself and think about how you want to focus on your future. Focus on the present. Be present. That's important when you're moving from a relationship. And that means you're fully available. That means you're focused on the person that you're with and the moments that you're in and you're creating dreams. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Um, My email is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now remember, there is nothing like getting a text from your partner with an autocorrect saying that you're looking forward to dumping them tonight instead of jumping them and they agree that dumping them is the right thing. <laughs> or writing the person you're having an affair with that it's over and mistakenly sending it to your spouse and then apologize when they reply confused and you tell them the text is meant for someone else. You also, you know you did the right thing when you text your boyfriend, you broke their Xbox and they said, you're just kidding. You want And then you said you're just kidding and that you want to break up and they want to know if the Xbox is okay. That's a good breakup. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today, and have them tune in next week, so they can be almost as smart as you!